I'm Matthew. I'm Marty. I'm Carlos. And I'm Alex. (laughs) And we are the Heroes 3. Welcome, everybody, to a very special episode of the Heroes 3 podcast. As you might know, we are a bi-week podcast where three friends explore the best, worst, and everything in between in the world of Asian cinema. And this week, we have a special guest. So, Alex, why don't you introduce yourself? Up from the 36 Chambers. (laughs) (laughs) I'm Alex. Um, I've been a friend of Carlos's for pushing 10 years now. Yeah. And despite my love for the Wu-Tang Clan, I have not seen the 36th Chamber of Shaolin until last night. <laughs> oh, awesome. <laughs> and, well, I hope you have a whole new appreciation for it. Yeah, yeah. For, um, uh, for the Wu-Tang Clan, I mean. Absolutely. But I don't know how much you guys want to actually get into the Wu-Tang Clan on this, but um, <laughs> they use mortar samples from, at least on the album 36 Chambers, Enter mm-hmm. the Wu-Tang. Um, they use more samples from Shaolin and Wu Tang. Also, start. I think that's yeah. also starring Gordon. It's Liu, also the Gordon Liu, yeah, which is yeah, also right, incredible. Right. Yeah, mm-hmm. <sighs> but we brought in Alex because he is definitely a lot more of a hip hop head than I am, certainly. <laughs> and he's just a cool guy, and he's in the movies and can tell we us love movie Alex, stuff. So. Yeah. <laughs> So this week, of course, as you said, we're talking about the 36th Chamber of Shaolin from 1978, directed by Lao Karlong, just like all the movies we're doing this little arc here, and storing the legendary Gordon Liu. So this, and this is the second movie that we've done so far that I had actually seen before we even started the podcast. So oh, yeah, this, that's right. this movie's really good. And I remember the first time that I watched it, I uh, something happened where like I watched the first like 20 minutes of it and I didn't really super get into it and then sure. had something else come up and, and went away. But then whenever I watched the rest of it, I was like the, the last 20 minutes pays off the movie in such an incredible way. And I can't wait to get to it. And even the middle, you know, the three acts of 36 chamber are like really strongly delineated. Like, mm-hmm. Yes. Almost more than any movie I can think of honestly um so i could totally (laughs) understand that it's uh the beginning almost kind of suggests an entirely different movie than what what you Mm -hmm. really get yeah there's kind of a bait and switch to it you think it's gonna be like a revenge movie and then he's just training for an hour right it's wonderful it's great it's 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 everything yeah it's it's so influential you you see this movie and you can see every action movie following it has yeah, some taste yeah. of this film in it. It's it's really cool. And uh, yeah, you're used to seeing training montages, but you've never seen a training montage until you've seen this film. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, whenever whenever most of the movie is training montage and it's still <laughs> awesome. Well, yeah, yeah. and the, just the logic of the of the film is just really like clean and clear. And mm-hmm. I can't think of another kung fu film that like really walks you through every step of yeah. the training like 36 chamber does. I mean, I, that's gotta be part of why, uh, I don't know, decade after decade, you know, everyone kind of points to this film as really the entry point for, for Kung Fu cinema. Mm-hmm. 
And of course, we can't overlook the influence on a young Riza from the Wu Tang Clan. <laughs> Absolutely, and yeah. there's there's a great feature on the Dragon Dynasty DVD that's also up on YouTube. We probably have a link in the description of uh, just interviewing Riza, talking about his kind of his background with with kung fu movies, and he talked about you know going into movies and getting like drug addicts to buy him tickets so he can get to the radar <laughs> movies to, right. to see it. Mind you, these movies are rated R. No one of the 17s permitted. I remember giving the local glue sniffer, <laughs> you know what I mean, an extra dollar to buy my ticket to get me in. And talks about how influential this movie was specifically and how he like after he saw it, he went and tried to buy a like a tiger style manual and and everything, which is just it's just so funny thinking of you know this super hard you know hip hop guy being this giant dork for for kung fu movies and and stuff like that. Well, it's cool too because it's like it's not just unique to like RZA's personality. A lot yeah. of the particularly like the Shaw Brothers kung fu movies that were imported were like really popular just like in the african-american community at that time mm -hmm. and it's like i don't know there's a kind of unique kinship i'm not sure whether like the hong kong filmmakers would have uh been able to predict anything like that but <laughs> i don't know it it's it it's really part at least in our country here it's really part of kung fu culture really it's like oh, hip-hop yeah. culture and mm -hmm. uh just that great cross-pollination and when Rizzo would have seen this movie it would have been under the title Master Killer um, yeah yeah so yeah a lot of the uh, the particularly the Shaw Brothers imports um, they would sort of retitle them to maybe be a little bit more uh, you know extreme or yeah yeah something <laughs> yeah and his uh, uh, that interview really taps into you know the universal appeal of kung fu movies and people that love action yeah, films totally. you know like I remember as a kid, you know, my father loved action movies and a lot of the first movies that we would see or like, you know, maybe um, once we were able to like record uh, like rentals on a VCR, we'd have like a tape with like, okay, Bloodsport and Enter the Dragon, <laughs> all these on one tape, you know, and it's, you know, <laughs> yeah. it's just something that really, you know, drew everybody. And I, I, I kind of felt a, a bit of a familiar uh, feelings when I when I watched that interview with him too. It's like man, like even though I wasn't in like uh, you know the boroughs of New York, I still yeah. was kind of you know <laughs> doing the same things and seeing these movies and you know wanting to do these moves and stuff. It's fun mm -hmm. and, and you know talking to my friends like, oh, did you see this movie? Trading a VHS tape back in the day. And cool. it's yeah. like that great kind of like subcultural thing you know where yeah. it's it's like just outside of the mainstream or, or maybe like pretty far outside of the mainstream mm -hmm. uh in some cases but that's why know, it's kind of a really shame that this is something we've ran into a lot with these movies it's obviously this existed in this subculture kind of existed long before the days of the internet and i because i feel like right. if the internet existed whenever these movies were were getting big then it would be a more well documented kind of uh subculture and in, in series of of films because i feel like anime started off as a pretty small subculture of people but because of the internet everyone could talk to each other and just kind of grew and grew and grew and now yeah, there's that's you a know, great encyclopedic great knowledge mm -hmm. of anime on the internet but yeah. that doesn't really exist to the same extent with uh, kung fu movies no yeah but... and there's definitely something that 
Like when I met somebody like that I started to get along with and we started to notice that we liked the same things. I kind of feel like the same way with like how I talk to people about anime. I could maybe bring up a Kung Fu movie and that could spark a conversation just in the same way. In regards to the Internet's presence or Internet's influence on martial arts films, it's given a lot of easy access to it. Because the yes. the people who made these yeah, films totally. aren't necessarily keeping up the copyrights or for them or flagging them. Like I watched this right. on Amazon Video, and I'm not mm-hmm. convinced that like the owner of the film uploaded <laughs> it to that. <laughs> like I think Master of the yeah. Flying Guillotine is on there like three times by three different like companies claiming it, mm-hmm. and I bet all of them. I bet none of them have licensed the music that that movie stole from <laughs> yep. Tangerine Dream or whatever. Right. No, yeah. that's and sure. that Snake in the Eagle Shadow is still in YouTube in full. The exact same <laughs> one that we watched when we started this a year ago. Right. And oh man. The the public domain nature of it actually for me as a teen was it made it very easy to get a lot of martial arts films, even though they weren't, mm-hmm. like, the good ones. Sure. Right. Um, they were very available, and yeah. that kind and of... And, yeah, there's a lot of, like, bargain bin stuff where it's exactly like you're saying, Alex. Like, somebody just pounced on it. Did In a lot of cases, didn't even bother securing, like, the distribution rights, but mm-hmm. was just, like, selling DVDs. Yeah, I, <laughs> I, I had the uh, 50 movie martial arts film collection. Oh, sure. <laughs> yeah, that thing was that thing probably, was Probably, nuts, like, two good man. ones. <laughs> yeah, it had the Street Fighter on it, so that was oh, good. Um, that's, oh, yeah. I, although I that's had a copy of that, that already before that, because that's who I was as a teenager. Um, nice. And I loved your episode. I'm sure there were a lot Fighter. of kids. I'm sure really there were a lot of people it. our age. Oh, thanks. <laughs> I'm sure there were a lot of people our age and a little older that probably saw that in a store. Like, oh, Street Fighter. Oh, <laughs> no, I knew so what cool. I was getting into. That's <laughs> awesome. The movies I gravitated towards tended to be exploitative, really in violent. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, I guess let's uh, jump into the movie then. Uh, but first, let's take a look at the back of the VHS. I love this part. Under siege by the Manchu government, Liu Yude and his fellow students are given the spark of activism by their teacher. They participate in the rebellion, trying to win back the land for their people. But when the Tartar general Tian Tai and his troops proved to be a deadly threat, Liu Yude finds himself on the run, grasping the last of his strength to find the power of Shaolin. Now, surrounded by a world of kung fu, Liu Yude must find a new life at Santa, junior student of the Shaolin Temple. He faces challenge after challenge as he must overcome the chambers of Shaolin, 35 different proving grounds that push the human body to its limits. Directed by Lao Karlong and starring Gordon Liu and Lo Lie, witness the seminal piece of kung fu cinema. What is the 36th chamber of Shaolin? So, like we were saying before, this movie starts kind of as a different movie than it ends up being, but it's it's still awesome and, and pretty solid. Uh, the very first thing we see before the, even the plot begins is uh, this. Uh, it's similar to the last movie, um, only not as uh, part of not as much of a part of the story. Uh, we see Gordon Liu doing like a. I guess training like with these uh, one of the most iconic things in Kung Fu cinema, honestly, is this intro where Gordon yeah. Liu has the the big uh, is there a name for the rings on the wrists or 
They're the iron elements. rings. They're, they're just called iron rings. Yeah, it's a staple of Hungar style. Um, they would use it to train. But you also end up seeing it in a lot of kung fu movies as being like a weapon as well. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. Often, him often with train like with this is... villains, you'll see. Is um, yeah. Is it not traditionally a weapon? I think they're mainly used for training. Okay. Weight yeah. training gear. Yeah, you'd yeah, be like yeah, kind of yeah. doing your horse dance and then also your like training your <laughs> arms with this. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And they inspired uh, the design of the slinky. I don't know if you guys knew that. <laughs> <laughs> nice. <laughs> yeah, this opening montage is beautiful and it's like oh, uh yeah. just the the mix of uh like sets and just techniques mm-hmm. that Gordon's mm-hmm. using. Uh I like that. I think it's maybe the last one where there's that big red sun behind him. Yeah, um, that's great. When and, he's when he's playing with the the spade. Yeah, yeah it's called the Shaolin spade. Kind of abstract. Yeah. Oh yeah, which ends up being yeah really important in the movie. I mm-hmm. love. It. Yeah, it looks like he's on Mars. <laughs> yeah, <for real>. yeah. <laughs> there's got to be a kung fu movie that takes place on Mars, right? I want that. <laughs> Actually, I don't know if I've ever. Dude, that's a great idea. <laughs> uh, John Carpenter's Ghost of Mars, starring yeah. Ice yeah. Cube. That's right. <laughs> oh, right, right, right. Uh, the other thing I, I like too oh. is uh, Gordon Liu, you know, doing his stance in front of like the falling water. It re- totally reminded mm-hmm. me of Ryu's ending in Street Fighter Two, where he's doing like the Shoryuken oh, up right on. on a waterfall. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and I love stuff. Uh, and we see someone kind of throw a Shoryuken later in the movie too, which is pretty neat. <laughs> um, a monk, yeah. So next we uh, we jump right in the movie. We find out about this. Again, it, like the like last movie, it's kind of a period piece in the kind of vague early 1800s in China where the, the Manchus are kind of trying to take over everything in China. We see some you know, this uh, rebel guy talking to a teacher, Mr. Ho, uh, who we later find out is Gordon Liu's character's teacher. And then the next bit, we get introduced to our villains, and I love the villains in this movie. Yeah, yeah. What's yeah. great? It's like some similar themes to Executioner from Shaolin, yes. but also some similar uh, players, like a lot yeah, of the definitely. Lao Garlong regulars, and uh, Lolia again is as the villain, but very different than uh, than Pai mm-hmm. Mei in this film. He really gets to kind of just play up his. I don't know, kind of sneaky creepiness. He's amazing. Yeah, he. I'd say he's more of kind of a typical villain in this, as opposed to Pai Mei, where he's kind of oppressing everyone and making his evil plans behind the, the scenes. But uh, yeah, he gets a couple of really great action sequences, and he really makes a splash right here. So they're having kind of like a public execution, and um, they're uh, all waiting for like a general to arrive. And uh, once uh, the caravan shows up, we get a big uh, kind of it's it's really cool. Like the, <laughs> the rebel that was yeah that was talking to the teacher earlier, he jumps down from the rooftop and like smashes uh, right, a carriage. Right, tries to ambush it, but it was like a yeah, it was a de- is a decoy. decoy. But a- the shot of him jumping down oh, onto this amazing. and smack like doing the jump spin and smashing it down. Ah, oh, it's so good. There's an amazing snap zoom right after that where um, it like zooms and focuses at the same time. And the amount of time that must have taken to get right is admirable. Dude, yeah. Yeah, yeah, the focus pullers on these films are just wild. I mean, incredible. Yeah, it's it's almost like athletic. It's like there's a kung fu 
art to that for sure. Oh yeah. And it speaks a lot to the filmmaking process because focus pulling isn't normally something you notice. It's supposed to be something that's kind mm-hmm. of hidden throughout a film, but I right. love that they can draw attention to it with their dynamic camera work. Yeah. Right. It's almost a language in itself in the film. It, mm-hmm. it you know, I mean, just like a focus should, it, it pulls your attention to a certain thing, but it almost has this energy that really, yeah, it, it really helps the action. You know, those are, that's definitely like an unsung, uh, group of artists like in hong kong cinema i've never read anything photography. yeah or about the focus pullers but i mean you can tell because the cheaper budget stuff uh i mean there tend to be a lot of shots that are just not even close to sharp i mean there are a few shots actually Mm -hmm. in this film towards uh like uh, i think just after the cemetery fight there's a handful of shots that like aren't really that close um, yeah. but I, I could imagine there being like a few top guys in the same way there were, you know, top choreographers that were yeah, yeah. In, in demand on uh movie to mm-hmm. movie and kind of only the, like, yeah, only the best directors could get them. And I'm sure yeah. that the directors had their like personal preferences or their personal like yeah, teams that they work with that they kind mm-hmm. of all, they all get to know each other. They all know each other's styles and they kind of learn to work together especially in like a studio system like the shaw brothers right right so after the the after the the decoy gets broken then uh lolia's character uh uh shoot i forgot general, general tienta tien yeah. tienta that's it yep. um tienta then says like you know come face me man to man and i love that this is kind of similar to pai may in a little bit of a way where he he's fighting Yen, the the rebel guy, and as he's fighting him and like hurting him in different ways, he's matching that handicap on his side. So like he'll he'll slice Yen's arm and mm-hmm. then he'll like put his arm behind his back and keep fighting him yeah. that way. And yeah, it's like I just, I'll fight I think you one handed. It's cool. Yeah, it's great. Yeah. I'll fight you with one hand. Yeah, it's like cool that he's both kind of, you know, being somewhat more respectful as a fighter, not just, you know, trying to right. overwhelm him. And there's but also, also maybe a little arrogance showing how amazing he is. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Saying like, I'm so good, I can beat you one handed. You know, when I uh, first saw 36 Chamber um, it, at at this moment, like seeing the, the opening fight scene. It's almost I think my allegiance was in the wrong place. Like Lolier is yeah. just so like, like dynamic. I was like, oh, well, who's this rebel? Like, what's this riffraff? And it kind of took me a minute to realize, like, oh, no, okay, the, the movie really wants me kind of yeah, flipped the other way. But yeah, <laughs> Lolier did nothing wrong. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, he's just – he's he's a legend. What can you say? Oh, yeah. And and Yen gets defeated, and then it just, it just snaps straight to a completely different scene, like whiplash yeah. into a bunch of kids in a, in a school – this is yeah, almost, okay, almost kids. like kids, that, like, uh, like university right. kind of. Mm-hmm. It, it, um, it's it's kind of similar to uh, Jet Li's introduction in Fist of Legend, like the uh, yeah. Oh yeah, right, right, right. And so we get to see Mr. Ho again, and we see he's the teacher. We get to see Gordon Liu, and it's really funny because you can tell that Gordon Liu probably had already shaved his head for the role. Yeah, he's so, totally wearing a wig. It's great. He's totally wearing a wig. Um, <laughs> You can tell on the uh, side. He looks, actually, he looks pretty similar to how he looked in in the last film, uh, Executioners from Shaolin. Yeah, 
Yeah, it'd be good to compare but and he, he makes because I'm sure that was he makes it a lot longer in this movie though. <laughs> oh <laughs> yeah, he mm-hmm. sure does. Yeah, the, he makes it into thing... like a long and storied career. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> the one thing I noticed is you know the teacher walks in and he looks to like the backboard and they have like a drawing of and it's of Confucius and there's a quote in there and I actually was able to figure out what that quote was. Oh, cool. Whoa. <laughs> yeah, it's the wise are not confused. The benevolent are not anxious. The brave are not afraid. So it really does play into the mm-hmm. themes that he's trying to uh, mm-hmm. portray with this kind of rebellion and kind of patriotic pride against the you know invaders. Mm-hmm. That's really good context because uh, you know the students are uh, kind of asking Master Holy's philosophical questions, and I think that could almost come across as maybe like a little bit simplistic. It's like, oh, should we always trust the government? But I think in light of, yeah, it's basically maybe showing like, okay, this is, hasn't Master Ho taught them like the exact opposite? Um, so anyways. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because they're kind of making fun of there being an execution. He kind of right. checks them all like saying like, yes, like maybe, uh, you know, I would be entertained, but uh, it was actually like, you know, he doesn't say it outright, but it was like my friend that's been executed. So right. he kind of teaches them a lesson about standing up for what they believe in. And, you know, right. without saying it outright, he's telling them to rebel. And that mm-hmm. kind of puts an impression on them because as they're walking out of class, they're reaching the town square. And then they see like that uh, Yin, the the man from earlier, he's now dead and they have him strung up uh, in display. And Gordon Liu's character, he's uh, Liu Yude, his name is, and he kind of recognizes that and calls him a hero. And um, this is where you see uh, Tang Yan Sao, the uh, Sang Yao. He's uh, kind of like the enforcer of these. Yeah, uh, yeah. yeah he's, you know, he's kind of the number two. Yeah, they call them the Tartars in the subtitle version, and the Tartars is kind of like a a term for like combined Asian forces and. Um, yeah, he's kind of like the cruel, like, uh, you know, he's like the police guy, and um, he's ready to arrest him, and uh, Yude gets saved by a, uh, another, like, it seems like a vendor, and he, mm-hmm. he kind of talks him out of it, but in this little encounter, Tang gets some information that he'll use to kind of pursue rebe- rebels in the, you know, coming chapters of the film. One thing I noticed was that that villain has a striking resemblance to Landy, the antagonist of the Shenmue series for Dreamcast. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. And I wonder how much of that they just, they like actually took from this movie because obviously that game, video game is is entirely inspired by martial arts cinema, although it does take mm. place in like a contemporary setting. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, for sure. Like one, yeah. The first time I actually played a Shenmue game was with Alex, and <laughs> it was part two, wasn't that? Yeah, yeah. It was and I was too. just, I, I was shocked that I had never played the game because it's totally like the path of the the martial arts warrior, and I'm like, this is the game that I want. <laughs> <laughs> Why have I never played this game? And actually, since you mentioned Shenmue. Uh, you know, that's a Sega game. Mm-hmm. And I would say that Gordon Liu's character of Sanda, like, is completely the basis for a Virtua Fighter character in <laughs> Virtua Fighter 4. His name is Leifei. And he's oh. totally based on Gordon Liu. He's like... That's interesting, because that's not even that far from 
uh, Gordon Liu's sort of adopted wow, name, true. which is like Lao Ga Pai. Yeah, like yeah that, is, up... that is definitely him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And yeah. actually, when it comes to Shaolin types in fighting games, there aren't that many. But, I mean, hands down, he's like the most prominent representation of oh, yeah. a, a Shaolin character Shaolin. in a fighting game. Right. Oh, yeah. So, uh, and that's I, I remember reading up on this back when I watched this the first time that a lot of studios didn't want to do a movie about a Shaolin master because like because they couldn't have hair <laughs> and it's like hair yeah. is you know, that's, <laughs> that's yeah, that's you gotta have that movie star hair. And even in a previous movie, back in Broken Oath, oh, she's right. she's a Shaolin, grows up in a Shaolin monastery, right. but she's the only Shaolin person that doesn't have hair. <laughs> like everyone else around her has it shaved off. You yeah, know, I can't think of like a breakout debut of like a star's breakout debut where they were get like committing more like sweat and I don't know, just physical exertion than than Gordon Liu. He really. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, <laughs> Lal Garlung like puts him through the ringer like crazy in this film, mm-hmm. and uh, I mean, shaving his head is very. I mean that that's a significant part of it too. It, I mean, it's important, like you're saying. It's like that's, you know, plenty of actors, not only in Hong Kong, obviously in Hollywood and elsewhere, you know, prize mm-hmm. their appearance. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it's kind of it's kind of the joke for a lot of yeah. celebrities who who everyone can tell that they don't have hair, but never they never come out and, and right, say it or right. show yeah, it to yeah. the world. And Gordon Liu, it's like he really is just it's like born to be a star. I mean, he's like mm-hmm. really mm-hmm. handsome. He's a uh, incredible physical performer, but he also has all this charm. He's a great actor, and as we can see in this movie he's just so committed and i don't I'm, i don't think i've ever seen a gordon Liu performance where he isn't just in, like committed at that same level it's just amazing yeah he totally. looks so good bald like he's yeah. got the perfect <laughs> bone structure for it yeah, yeah the shape really of his like face. skull is like yeah that wig looks weird on him because he should be bald. <laughs> <laughs> he and said the wig that has too, this like, like Jack Nicholson kind of hairline. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> yeah. yeah. He said that, you know, going. like, yeah, after this, that's what he just became known for is just having a shaved head. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he even mentioned something about people comparing him to Yul Brenner. <laughs> oh, sure. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, yeah that's pretty good. Don't smoke. <laughs> So now we see uh, Gordon Liu's character with a couple of the other students now all going to their teacher saying, like, basically saying, we want to help with with the resistance because, you know, we see how evil this guy is. Right. And he uh, starts by uh, running some messages through his father's uh, fish shop, I guess, where like one of the shipments has um, one of the fish inside of the shipment actually has like a message hidden inside of it. I and, actually have something to say about this scene. Oh, I love yeah, that it's, it. it's a giant pallet, and contained in it is one box from it, and then inside that is are like a multitude of I couldn't tell those clams or something seafood. Yeah. yeah, I wasn't sure. I'm not. I couldn't tell what they were, but then inside of one of them, which is clearly <laughs> marked, is like a tiny piece of paper. And it's just a total, <laughs> totally wasteful way to send a tiny sheet of paper into yeah, a into yeah, a like thing. they can fit like a newspaper or something in that. Yeah, thing. you can just, like 
<laughs> Put it in your yeah. mouth and walk in. Right. Oh, man. They have similar like kung. We ran into some like funny kung fu logic and executioners from Shaolin too. But yeah, it's like paper <laughs> isn't difficult to conceal <laughs> or hide or put in your shoe or trans. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's it, it's a know. tiny, tiny piece of paper. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> The other yeah, thing, like that. It's kind of it's kind of Russian nesting dolls thing. Yeah, yeah, it's like yeah. I love that. It's in a, the box. It is in a the good clam visual. in a box inside the clam. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's a great visual like breakdown as that goes on. <laughs> uh, the other thing I really like too is that this is the scene where the seeds of Shaolin are planted in Liu right, Yude because right. like one of the guys that's with them smashes open the crate and he's like, "Whoa, that's great kung fu." He's like, I learned it at Shaolin. But in my head, I'm like, wait a second. This dude trained in Shaolin, but he's hanging out around here. Like, <laughs> why don't you talk to this guy some more? Like, don't yeah, you right. think he's kind of like... Why aren't you the hero of the movie? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> how did you not get kicked out of the temple? Like, yeah, and after. he's the key. Did he also try to pitch a, a 36th chamber? And that's why he's not yeah. at the temple right. anymore? Maybe that's yeah, what happened. that's true. <laughs> <laughs> So we get some more uh, awesome kung fu vibrato or vibrato bravado. Uh, yeah, <laughs> kind of. Yeah, you get a little bit of that in Bruce Lee movies. Yeah, <laughs> or or if you watch at like you know two x speed or something. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> we get some great um, bravado with the the villains where they they discover the they discover one of the messages and realize that the rebellion still is still there and yeah and they start going around um, killing students and. And they take they take one of the students hostage, and they're like asking him, uh, one of the guys that was hanging out with Gordon Liu's character, and they try to interrogate him. And before he they can like interrogate him, start torturing him, he grabs one of the swords and stabs himself, <laughs> but like stabs it like sideways. Yeah, yeah. So it's like that's a painful way to go. Mm-hmm. Cover as much area <laughs> as possible, I guess. Right, right. I'm not sure, but yeah. But it's great too because before they can get him, he's like swinging around this fish, saying like, you know, I don't got a message, and then the message comes out of the mouth of the fish. <laughs> They're like, "What's this really conspicuous thing sticking yeah. out of the fish's mouth?" You could almost hear like a sad trombone, like when yeah. the message pops oh, out. Oh, totally. <laughs> Should have hit it in a clam, and then he, and yep. then he dies. Uh, and so what this, of course, go. leads to. Yeah. <laughs> This leads to the Manchus going to the fish, the the fish market where Yude's father works, and they like start interrogating him and are saying like, you know, how the message get there because he really doesn't know anything, and right. it's kind of sad because earlier uh, Yude says like, oh, I'm getting interested in the family business because that's why I think I have someone to buy this this you know crate mm-hmm. and then it just ends up getting his dad killed yeah, <laughs> yeah it's kind of a bummer yeah it, it, it gets really really dark right around this time it in the does film. like yeah in, in yeah. a row like six different guys all sacrifice themselves for for you to get away yeah and- one thing i noticed is um you <clears throat> father has an assistant and that man that's um Wang ha who played master tam in encounters of the spooky kind the kind yeah. of adulterer oh, cool. like other man yeah, that's the same dude. Oh, very cool. Yeah. Yeah, the cast is pretty pretty giant in 36 Chambers. So, uh, yeah, we're yeah. going to run into a lot of uh, Heroes 3 regulars, I think. Yeah. Mm. Not only does he look like Landy from Shenmue, 
but he kills his father just like in Shenmue. Oh, yeah. Oh, this is Shenmue. That's messed up. <laughs> this movie is basically a shorter Shenmue. So. <laughs> yeah, shorter. A shorter, no, uh, better Shenmue. Free. No, no forklifts in uh, this one. Yeah, no forklifts. There are crates and pallets, but no forklifts. No quick time events. Or, yeah, free. That's what it was called. Uh, <laughs> full reactive eyes entertainment. Free. Yes, yes. <laughs> You know, it's Coming interesting. The like, the, cast. like the whole first act of this movie, uh, it it kind of comes across like flying by the seat of their pants. Like, are they making this up as the, as they're going along? But it really rewards, uh, you know, like re rewatching because you do start mm-hmm. to see like the thread that that really runs through, you know, all three acts. But it's yeah, mm-hmm. kind of an interesting structure. It, it's it. I mean, we've broken it up into I guess three sections. But really, until he gets to the Shaolin Temple, it kind of feels like a different movie every five minutes. Really. Yeah, <laughs> it yeah. does. In a good way, though, I'd say. Because, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah, I, I yeah. was, I didn't, yeah, I didn't get lost. I didn't get, like, you know, I didn't lose interest the whole time. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, but yeah, so now things are ramping up and Liu Yude and his other uh, friend that's alive, uh, they're kind of making a break <laughs> for it. And they kind of have this kind of personal breakdown where... You know, Liu asks, asks about his father, and he's like, "No, like." And Liu Yu dead realizes that, like, basically his family's been killed, and um, the other student says, "You know, my my parents are dead too, or my father died." And this is a great quote in the dub where it's like something along the lines of, "Why did I waste my time studying ethics when I could have been learning kung fu?" <laughs> <That's great. laughs> I should have learned kung fu. Instead of ethics, what use is that? I think that's one of the best lines in the movie. Oh, that's a good one. <laughs> yeah, we should say this. This is really one of the most classic uh, dubs. Of, oh yeah, yeah, yeah it's great. This original. This crew. dub is like the perfect level of being good and also being cheesy. Yeah, yeah. yeah you know, it's like because yeah, totally. It, it doesn't get too over the top cheesy, but there's definitely a lot of really funny deliveries and great lines like that where it's like, I'm sure that is a direct translation. It's just a funny line. Or a kind of trans. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of shut up or damn you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But still. <laughs> I mean, yeah. But still. Yeah, a lot of yeah. but still. <laughs> but still. And it's also, I mean, I think by 78, uh, I, I mean, I think these, the, the dubbing crew like they kind of even perfect their art but this is that period that is mocked for having those strange like uh, chris walken would be jealous kind of pauses like (laughs) (laughs) but it's really they were trying their best to to really almost sell as though these actors are saying the lines and a year or so after this point they they're kind of not so concerned with that instead they they go for more like maybe natural kind of reading and and yeah uh, and timings but this is this is just a classic period mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so yude gets jacked up and um is able to manages to ride away and his friend gets caught by the manchus and killed and he stumbles into this town where he uh where he gets some water from a guy well and yeah his leg is so brutally yeah his, uh, yeah, his leg's yeah. messed up he can barely walk and he asked the guy, like, you know, where's where's Shaolin? And he says, it's not too far, but you'll you'll never make it to, you know, it's up a mountain. He says, I'll, have to, I'll go there. You don't have to crawl, which I think is just a great, you know, 
Yeah. Great kind of telling line. Yeah, uh, yeah. It tells you everything you need to know about his character. He, he left the horse there. Dude could oh, have yeah. been riding that horse. That's true. <laughs> wow. Plus, well, he had to, well, he had to abandon the horse to, to hide. Well, I mean, because he had to hide. There is a great horse Shenmue horse. didn't take it. <laughs> he, when he just left, they, then they left the horse there. The horse died there. <laughs> Poor, maybe, oh, man. maybe Shenmue came about because they had like the developers had watched Thirty Six Chamber like so many times that they're like, I want the story to just slightly veer this way. <laughs> <laughs> it needs more forklifts. <laughs> Replace the horses with forklifts. <laughs> <laughs> but he manages to get to Shaolin by hiding in a uh, in a basket that some of the students from the monastery uh, put on their cart to take up. And I, and I love how whenever they start to take it, he's like, whoa, this is a lot heavier than it should be. Right. <laughs> like, nah, it's, stop complaining. Let's go. And they start rolling it away. There's yeah. an interesting parallel between that scene and then the scene earlier where they're hiding the, the messages in the seafood. Oh, yeah. And I'm. Oh, oh, yeah. A little bit, yeah. And yeah, maybe there's something going on with food and, or something oh, in the there could themes be. of this movie. And Ooh, yet, yeah, they're hiding First method he has to doesn't smuggle really messages work and then ever. get smuggled yeah. himself. Then there's the rice scene later when he's like on the hunt for food in the yeah. There's something going on yeah. with food in this movie and I will crack it and <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll get there. <laughs> no, yeah. I believe it. I mean, maybe Lao Garlung Garlung was just like really hungry this whole <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Session. He really needed to eat while he was I was writing the screenplay. He ordered his yeah. favorite. Like, I'm so foods. hungry. I'd eat. I'd eat a bowl of rice. Like while log rolling. <laughs> <laughs> so he uh, he gets in. They fling open the the basket, and he kind of rolls out. And the the monks say they're going to nurse him back to health, but that he needs you know he'll have to leave right afterwards. And that's whenever we get to see both kind of the second in command abbot and the the abbot of the of the whole monastery, who the second in command we actually saw just last week. Yeah, and, Le, Le Hoi San. Who's, uh, yeah, Le Hoi San. Amazing in this movie. And he also has a very distinct face. Like, yeah, Gurren Liu has a very sure. like kind of squat face, mm-hmm. and Le Hoi San has a very long face. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. And it's like, uh, uh, I think we mentioned last time we we first encountered him on the podcast i believe in magnificent butcher is sort of the right. sort of the villain but um mm-hmm. yes yeah he perfect i thought that's such a great uh point like visually he and gordon are such great compliments and later on in the film they get there's actually quite a lot of combat devoted to these two and they're just such a terrific uh such a terrific pair but the main abbot says that he can stay because uh he says that, you know, if he was able to get up here, then Buddha is, you know, blessed him in some way or something. When he kind of almost calls for a vote from the other uh, monks, and they they sort of agree. Well, brothers, tell me, does he stay here? Yes, Chief Abbot, he should stay. He liked his moxie. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) You got moxie. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. it's funny, every now and again, there there is, like, a dubbing voice that it's, like, a little more, like, yeah, I, yeah, I yeah. Thirties or forties, mm-hmm. like Brooklyn gangster, and I, I just love that. <laughs> James uh, James Cagney or something. And so, yeah. so we get a little bit of uh, 
we get a little bit of a time jump where we see Goren Lu, who's now known as uh, Santa instead of uh, Santa, instead of Uday. Yeah. And it it is funny because when I first watched this, I was like, why are they calling him Santa? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, apparently in the UK, <laughs> that's kind of like the slang for Gordon Liu's character is Santa. They just, everyone huh, just really? commits. Nice. Well, in the UK, in the UK, it's Father Christmas. <laughs> yeah, that, yeah, that's so true. <laughs> and they watch this on Boxing Day every year. <laughs> <laughs> that's not a bad tradition. But it's oh, good. Actually, that sounds great. <laughs> I'm glad I've also I'm heard bald. it pronounced Santa. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm sh- they and also like a lot of names in this movie, different actors will pronounce it different ways throughout <laughs> the course of the movie. Yeah, it's like Star Wars in that way. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But yeah, he's actually based off of like a historical kind of legendary character, uh, Santa, who's responsible for teaching the arts of Shaolin to to the general public. So, yeah. So, um, how much do you guys know? How much of this is actually? like rooted in history or like what would a Chinese audience like immediately know what time period this takes place in? Cause I took a Chinese history class in college and I found it to be completely impenetrable and I had to, I had to drop <laughs> it. Sure. Um, and Whoa. I couldn't, I could not figure out when this took place, mm. why Man, the that's Manchus the kind of class where the there should have been like more, more days with the substitute where they just show, where they just show kung fu movies. Um, but yeah, it's you know it's kind of similar to other historical legendary characters that mm-hmm. yeah. you encounter in kung fu, where it's like, boy, there isn't a uh, when you look into it, it's it's a lot of the fictional accounts are kind of what's stuck, and so I think there were mm-hmm. uh, some like uh, Chinese novelists that had written about uh, the character of Sante, and that was probably what audiences were more connected yeah, to. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah, and great... I think. Most of the time, yeah. So, so we're in the Qing Dynasty. So, I think that reaches up until like the early 1900s. But this would definitely be like kind of in the 1800s. I feel it's like definitely pre-colonial. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's you know, it's like towards I don't know, like the Mongols and you know the Turks, all these different factions that are trying to take over China, and it's the the you know this. Uh, time of turmoil i don't i you know and this is what i've pieced together from mostly movies like this but um sanda i think that he is like a historical figure but i think that most of the things that you find uh from him in like you know film and you know stuff like this this is mostly mostly fictional adaption yeah it's still similar to pai mei or right um jesus Wong or something yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> well he does Whoa. it's funny as the movie goes on he does almost Hot have this, like uh, <laughs> this like prophet like seeking disciples kind of thing sure yeah um, like a yeah. Yeah, buddha they, he did, one of the people refers to him as a buddha so right yeah, right yeah and and so although yeah it's <laughs> that would be Honestly, that yeah, I would love to see some kind of analysis of like Santa mm-hmm. as Jesus. Oh, Santa is Jesus! <laughs> oh my God! Santa is Jesus! Oh We're breaking gosh. it open. <laughs> this is crazy. Follow the money. <laughs> oh no, guys! I gotta go. The feds are outside. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> um, but Santa says to one of the abbots, like, "Hey, I've I've been here for what was like a year or something." And I haven't basically I've been here a year and have learned any Kung Fu. And the guy says, well, you got to, you know, you got to go through the 35 chambers. 
He's like, well, what, which one's the best? I, I want to do the best one. <laughs> I loved that. Yeah. Yeah, that's so kind of like, it's almost like Gaston kind of <laughs> attitude. Yeah. What's the best one? I want the best one. <laughs> so he goes to the best one, which is the 35th chamber. And whenever he, uh, whenever he goes to it, it's just all these monks chanting and, and hitting like a drum kind of thing. This is a really cool sequence. And like, oh, man. Mm-hmm. I mean, they, it, yeah. they, it really does almost kind of tap into something profound. And yeah, I don't know. I, I think what's so great about this whole second act of the film in, in Shaolin is it's 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 never kind of just like uh, steering the witness. Like they make explicit, you know, every component of the training. And I don't know. It, I think it's really important that we kind of see the like basically the most like extreme kind of Zen profound version of kung fu and mm-hmm. i think they sell that just as well as any of the you know kind of physical physically based chambers yeah and i love the that. other thing yeah. i really oh. like about this is you know he asked for like the most advanced level so i think that even maybe somebody I did, they even kind of make it foreign for like you can you can identify with how foreign it is even to the main character so like right. he's walking into this and they're all chanting these things and they seem to all like have to memorize these uh, scripture and they're basically being tested and called upon. He's like, okay, and now what is this? And then if they fail, he calls them away. And he's so focused on wanting to learn Kung Fu that he's really kind of being uh, a little brash with how he's handling like one of like the top, you know, monks in all of Shaolin. And actually that, that old monk, he was in Come Drink With Me. He was the yeah. the kind of the sad monk that the kid got killed in front of, like when the Whoa. rebels. Yeah, that's oh. yeah, that's the that's that monk. And um, yeah, so he kind of addresses him kind of in disrespect because he's just kind of focused on what he wants to know. And yeah. uh, it's so cool because he's punished with like a, a basically a force push. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, Star Wars. Yeah, it's amazing. <laughs> I love that yeah. they... But yeah, it was before Twitter and people could like outrage that it's like, oh, how did he get that powerful <laughs> with the force? And stuff. <laughs> All right, Marty. Gotta... I love that they Sorry. set up like the um, the hierarchy of the organization so well and like th- by, by even like numbering the chambers. And then when yeah, he, yeah. he pushes his way into it, he gets that force push. And that's like something I don't remember him ever learning after that. Right. right, and right. so it's still like at the end of the movie, he's not like a Superman or like some sort of like all powerful Shaolin master. He's still someone with something to learn and a place to grow to. Uh, and you know, I like that in a character. Yeah, for sure. And by the end of the film, he he definitely doesn't act arrogant about the powers that he does possess. Mm-hmm. You know, he kind of still looks to it. Like I said before, when somebody addresses him as a Buddha, he's like, "Oh no, I'm just a junior monk." Yeah, you know? yeah, he doesn't yeah. He does, doesn't have a chip on his shoulder for being like ejected from like from the temple either, and yeah, I don't know, just like up kind of upstanding in every way. Yeah, so you know he kind of failed this chamber pretty miserably, and he uh, bumps into the monk that kind of showed him the way to the thirty fifth chamber, and he says, "Oh, um, you know where where should I go now?" He's like, "I'll just start from the next one down." So uh, <laughs> now we see him taking the next challenge in the film yeah Yeah. which i guess is the 34th chamber it doesn't really get 
Despite them having a specific number, it doesn't really say anything afterwards. It's a little so. nebulous, but they are numbered. Yeah. So, right. They are numbered, apparently. Theoretically, they're numbered. I have a feeling, though, that they're not... I have a feeling, though, that they're not necessarily in order. Like, it's not necessarily that the first is the easiest and the 35th is right. the hardest. Because it seems like all the other ones afterwards, just as many people are doing good and just as many people are are challenged. Mm-hmm. I could also see the order of the chambers have been like kind of worked in the edit because I don't think there are many instances where they'll say, okay, now you're going to this chamber. It's usually like, okay, now you go to the next chamber. Yeah, um, yeah. So I could I could see them kind of balancing that after the fact. Um, sure, well, yeah. However, yeah, yeah. It, however it was arrived at, it, like, it's, I think it's like a really – kind of like a well-balanced uh, chorus or whatever. So he goes to the, I guess, the 34th. He goes to the next one, and it's it's like these two logs are floating in a little pool, and all <laughs> the other students are hopping over the hopping on the logs and hopping to the other side. And, of course, whenever uh, Santa does it, he immediately just eats it and falls <laughs> into the pool. There's an amazing slow-mo shot of him falling in. Yeah. Um, and they say that he can't come in because he's all wet, so he has to dry off. And over the course of him drying off, all the food on the other side of the, the thing are completely gone. And there's this great kind of silly music that plays while he's yeah, uh, I love the score there. while he's taking the, the taking his clothes off and drying them out. Do not enter the dining hall until you are fully cleansed. Oh yeah, I love a... that. It actually kind of sounded to me like the flight of the bumblebee. Yeah, I was just oh, about yeah. to say that kind of flight of bumblebee sounding. Uh, I also love that even by the time he gets in there and he sees that almost all the food's gone, he tries to take it from the from like the master's table on the other side, <laughs> and they get all mad at him. Despite being there yeah, for a actually... year already, he's already he still kind of have has that rebellious nature in him. Yeah, for sure. And and the monk that's kind of. Uh, scolding him here is we just saw him in the last film that we covered executioners from shaolin he was um uh young chun's uncle uncle fang he's the oh okay yeah yeah. so yeah Yeah, it's it's like marty said there's like a ton of familiar faces in this film even for us just covering the films that we've covered in the in this podcast like it's like an all-star cast right right Mm -hmm. so we see Again, this is the beginning of the most of the next bit of the movie is just him, him training Um, starts with him figuring out like how to balance on the log and then trying to eat the food while balancing on it and and losing all the food. And then as he, you know, we see him getting better and better over the course of it until eventually like the logs are all split apart. (laughs) And he does that that amazing thing with like the. Where like he does the splits on the on the logs yeah. and brings them back together. <laughs> oh, that's such a cool, such a cool bit. Um, yeah, the the thing that I like about a lot of these sequences is that they really give them enough time so you can kind of it's it's all fictional, right? But you could believe the anatomy of the training, you know, like mm-hmm. there's yeah. like a really good effort by Logarlang to show you like what this kung fu is and how you become good at it within the laws of the film it's right it's super cool it's very like uh i mean i don't know like 
it's almost romantic in the way that they handle him dealing with himself learning these techniques. I love I like that, that this particular test has nothing to do with fighting either. Yeah. It's kind yeah, of for this sure. like mental barrier or mental physical barrier he has to learn to overcome. And I think wow. that's uh, a really cool thing to include in like, like it's not all about fighting. Like yeah, it's, it's, only, al- it's like almost a- like he has to demonstrate like his commitment first, mm-hmm. like his like commitment to training and commitment to, you know, like just yeah, pursuing the pursuing the arts. Um, and I don't know, like you were saying earlier, Alex, it's he's not depicted as this kind of superhero, and I think that's a big part of like why the character is so effective, mm-hmm. uh, even though maybe compared to the other monks, he moves you know pretty swiftly through the different chambers. Every single chamber, he has some kind of struggle. Uh, he and we get to see him learn and like respond and adapt and. I don't know. It's really exciting, and there, I can't think of any other films that devote this much time to uh, these many uh, types of uh, training. And yeah, just it, yeah, it's just kind of yeah, it's almost like an ode to, ode to learning or something. This movie. <laughs> yeah, you would never get this in an American film. He'd have like a right, love right. interest and like a dog or something. And, <laughs> right. Like we need to humanize him more. And the big thing with a lot of with most American action movies is that the person is just already good at stuff. Yeah, yeah. Right. And there are certainly plenty of Hong Kong movies like that too, but mm-hmm. I love how many of the films we've watched where the person is either not good or like literally knows nothing about fighting or kung fu well, and, and then becomes amazing over the course it's, of the movie it's really totally. a movie about the journey instead of the destination right yeah you know it's all about yeah. it well, is a movie like, about self-improvement and i think there's um there's maybe a different like relationship of you know filmmaker to audience where there's an expectation that they're passing on some kind of like moral almost like the way a fable might function say with in providing some like formational ideas for you know, young people or something. And mm-hmm. it's, those were the kind of things in the minds of uh, Lao Garlong and, you know, other filmmakers of this time. Yeah, like he escapes sure. the sort of um, resistance, military oppression thing to find like yeah. inner peace outside of that. And like, mm-hmm. yeah, he comes back to it, but it's still like a stark contrast from like the espionage centric first act, you know? Right, right. And this, like him trying to figure out this this chamber is, is a good bit. Like it's a good few minutes of him, you know, trying to mm-hmm. uh, figure out. And then they, they like get the logs are all loose and the people are trying to figure out how to run across it then. And I do like in this part because when we first see him, everyone's going across it except for him. But then right. we get to see all the other students are struggling with it mm-hmm. too. And... Uh, one of my favorite bits is whenever it's like at night and everyone's asleep, but his legs are like just kicking in his sleep because yeah, he's just thinking great. about how to cross it. Restless leg syndrome. Uh, <laughs> it's a real thing. Turn it into kung uh, fu skill. Yeah. yeah. Restless leg style. Ooh. So, I love it. But he he does, he, he figures it out and, and one of the monks sees him uh, kind of cross through it and invites him to the next chamber. Which this one, this one's rough. I guess the bucket one. I'm not oh, sure what call it, but yeah, I think that's like bucket the, one. I think it's focusing on the arm, like the arm strength. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah, you're, yeah, yeah. What you have to do is you have to fill two buckets and you have to hold your arms out 
uh, fully while you carry these two buckets up kind of a hill. Like, it's kind of like a structure, and you need to pour the buckets out. But the whole crux of it is that you have two armbands that have knives pointing down. So if your arm's lower, you're going to stab yourself, which is brutal. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so the point of this whole, like, torture machine is to just keep water flowing so they can wash their clothes, which I love. <laughs> it's There's such a brutal very... way to... Well, and every <laughs> chamber has this kind of negative reinforcement that mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> is meant to teach. Yeah, it's like meant to, I don't know, teach teach the monks. And I guess it starts with just falling in the water and getting wet. And it does almost kind of, uh, yeah, accelerate as he as he goes through the other chambers. But that's the such thing a... That... I love how you can you can see all the other people around him all have, like, these bloody marks all up and down their sides. Yeah, yeah from, for from sure. they've stabbed themselves. The thing this reminded me of is, like, as a kid, when you'd go to a toy store, they had these toys that were, like, these little penguins that would climb up some stairs, and then they would, oh, like, yeah, ride yeah. a slide down. So it's kind <laughs> of like this perpetual thing. This totally reminded me of that toy. <laughs> Shaw Brothers should have got in on some of that licensing. That'd be cool if there was like a version of that, but they're just little monks. That would be awesome. That's uh, the first piece of Heroes 3 merchandise is it's a statue of you guys and you waddle up and with buckets. Dude. Yeah. I want that. A never ending cycle. Yeah, a shirt with that design on it. Oh, man. <laughs> I, I love how just barbaric this sequence is. Like, he looks around yeah. and just, it's, there's something like slavery about it, you know? Yeah. There's yeah. something yeah. Like, yeah. like horrific about it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But this one, he kind of conquers pretty quickly because mm-hmm. yeah. the, next, the next scene we see him, like, he's not only handling it so well himself, but he also, like, stop other people's arms from going too far down and, and he does this, there's this great shot of him, like, jutting both his arms out, flipping the buckets, and then jutting them back. Mm-hmm. And again, it's just that amazing cinematography in this movie. This is a really cool location, too. Um, oh, yeah, for sure. I think we, we only see in this sequence. And next, uh, this might be my favorite chamber, just because of how it's paid off at the end of the movie. Yeah. But um, the next chamber is, uh, there's this there's a bell in the middle of this room <laughs> and this kind of hammer thing, but it's at the end of this really long bamboo stick. So it's like really, really heavy to, to hold from on, you know, from the, the far end of it. And he has to bang the bell in time with the, the uh, monks hitting their little drum thing. Yeah. I'd like, and yeah, this and, is like, yeah, this is for that Kung Fu wrist strength and, it's yeah, it's amazing yeah. seeing Gordon go through this. Uh, there can't really be a way to f- to fake. I was wondering this. about that too. Like yeah. I could see it maybe having a string somewhere along the line, but you would almost kind of notice that. But it looks very authentic. The movements that he's doing with the bell and the hammer. Mm-hmm. It's just yeah, it it's executed very well. Yeah, I love that when he walks in, he's like, "Is that it? You just want me to ring this bell?" <laughs> and then they swerve yeah. it on him, and and yeah. yeah, his like inability to do it, and then he then like later on when he gets it figured out, like he's in his pose for it and everything, like he's he figures out that he, if he does it sideways, facing sideways, he can do it better and stuff like that, like yeah, this little yeah. like um, I don't I don't know if you'd call that choreography, but 
I mean, kind of. Yeah, 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 I yeah. totally would see that. And it's definitely like I was saying how it's it's Lao Garlong trying to portray like you know the the life of kung fu, the the you know the training that you need mm-hmm. to go through, and how these things, even though they're you know kind of unrelated, these are everyday things, but he makes it into this kind of training sequence. So you kind of are put into this familiar situation, but then you're taking out of it seeing that it's training. It's really cool. That's great. Yeah, and I think he's also maybe fulfilling some of uh, the audience's expectation on uh, Shaolin culture. You know, it had uh, reached kind of mythic proportions. And so, you know, it wouldn't be uh, just some kind of traditional stretching physical training. Uh, The fact that every chamber has something uh, unique or even kind of uh, deadly is... uh, yeah, that had to be like a real, real hook for the audience, I think. Yeah. Apologies to all of the other people living in my apartment because that bell scene got really loud. And <laughs> I know you're all listening to this, and it, it was messed up of me to keep my sound up the entire time. <laughs> Sorry about your cat. <laughs> I, I love whenever you see like shots of the other students and, and eventually Santa himself their wrists are all jacked up yeah, and bruised yeah. and yeah. everything. There's like a row of them oh, all so with good. bruised wrists. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and like stuff wrapping around their hands. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's great. But yeah. once he gets good at this, he's really styling on them, you know? Yeah, he's, yeah. He's holding it, and then he's changing poses to use different muscles, and they kind of notice this, and they pick up the pace, and he's like right there with them. And yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. It's like it's a great. rhythm game. It totally Yeah, is. I was just yeah. thinking, like, there should be a 36 chamber where you're learning... Like different kinds Taiko of drum like, master. You're, yeah, or like different arcade techniques, uh, like rhythm heaven. You're, you're doing that ski game with the like <laughs> slalom. <laughs> or we yeah. could do like a almost like. Have you guys ever played those WarioWare games where it's like a bunch of mini games yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. in sequence? You could do like a whole section of just all these different chambers as WarioWare mini games. <laughs> It'd be great. Oh, that'd be cool. Someone get on that, Steph. Yeah, get right on that. There is uh, one of the WarioWare games where you can make your own games. Like, oh ugh, yeah, that'd be a lot of work yeah, for yeah. me, but oh, I could be find fun. that and yeah, do it. I will say <laughs> it is kind of difficult watching Thirty Six Chamber when you've been meaning to like start a workout routine, haven't, <laughs> <laughs> and it's. Oh yeah. man. that's no. This is half of these movies I've watched them. Like, <sighs> oh, oh man, this is that's like. That's just attainable enough. This is right, motivation, right. man. This is this is it. This is where it starts. That's true. I had a roommate. That's true. Every day he would watch the training montage from Never Back Down and then longboard wow. his way to kickboxing. Wow. Dude, that's impressive. <laughs> you I can think be I might just, just keep like him. The, the eye chamber and then pat myself on the back for <laughs> being able to move. Like my eyes back and forth. Yeah, great. That's, that's the that's the only chamber I'm prepared to just like jump right into. I don't yeah. know right. how we messed so that's that our up. Ne- full, and that's fully and that's the very next chamber. Yeah, yeah, that's our next chamber right Dude. here. So it's kind of like a a tracking with your eyes training. So yeah, it's like a sobriety test kind of thing. <laughs> Basically, it's like yeah. when you're watching ping pong and yeah, and like your yeah, eyes yeah, just, yeah, totally. at a certain point you 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 just stop focusing on it. But yeah. I don't know how he messed this one up. This was a freebie, man. <laughs> yeah, I feel like he was almost being nice. Like, yeah, he, he yeah, had yeah. it in the bag. I guess I'll struggle with this one. Right. <laughs> yeah, because once yeah. They, um, they do this, then they put his, like, tracking training to the test, and 
there's all these kind of wooden um, pillars that he has to strike based on where the light is striking. And that's actually really cool because they do this cool sound effect when they show a glimmer in his eye when he's like looking back and forth. I, lo I love how that sounds. It's so cheesy. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's really mm -hmm. that's great. And and yeah. also the monk in this sequence, um, there's a couple of times where in the film I thought that they're, they have these uncharacteristic like dubbed voices. And yeah. this guy's <laughs> yeah, one this guy of them too. This guy had like a funny sort of accent. You have to stand there between the incense urns. Sir. A man who wants to fight, he must have perfect eyes. But Santa just dominates this thing, and it's again. I love the Shaw Brothers sound effects, both for the yeah. hits and mm -hmm. like the silly little like glimmers yeah. of light and mm -hmm. everything. Yeah, Santa like knocks all these away, and and they advance him to the next chamber, the best and chamber. Oh man! If this, this is one, uh, the next chamber is. It's the, the next chamber is pretty funny. The concussion chamber. Yes. Concussion yeah. chamber. Yeah. Yeah. So the next chamber, the idea. <laughs> <laughs> the idea is you have to walk across this field, basically, of sandbags, headbutting the sandbags as you go yeah. until and you, you get you to the other side. You don't know what they're hanging you... from. It's kind of, like, magical. It's, yeah. it's like uh, when Spider-Man swinging through New York, you know? You yeah, yeah, exactly. You don't worry about where he's swinging from. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. I love it. Also, the monk here, he has this, like, hand on a stick. And I love that stuff. It's like a cat <laughs> it's like, toy. It's, it's a cat like, toy. It, yeah, exactly. I've it like, snaps that. me out of the period for sure. Um, <laughs> yeah, totally. In the, in the best possible way. Yeah. And I also, I love that the the monk that kind of runs this chamber has all these bruises and red marks on his red. head. <laughs> <laughs> of course uh, he would. This is like the most counterproductive chamber. It's the it's one bad. that damages you'll, your you'll brain You'll forget cells. everything you learned in the other ones. You know, maybe yeah. we thought those dudes were profound in the last chamber, but maybe they just just like went through this they just took too many too blows many in the head. They, they found inner <laughs> peace through the oh. through self-destruction of of their brains yeah there's uh. a hilarious shot in this sequence too where uh sanda is laying on the ground and the hand the pokey hand just kind of rubs his yeah. chest and he's like <laughs> so distraught but then the monk tells him hey man if you finish this you'll get to do like fighting stuff like you'll get to use weapons and everything and you see him like pat him on the head mm -hmm. gently with the hand. <laughs> with the head. <laughs> it's yeah. super funny. Oh, I love it. it's great. <laughs> also, I love how whenever you get to the other side, you're supposed to get some incense, light it, and put it on like a, a an altar thing. And and I love seeing all the people just stumbling around trying to to grab the incense falling over and yeah yeah oh, if I so was good. one of those monks holding all of the incense I'd just be laughing the whole time <laughs> right, yeah right. maybe they'd be sympathetic because they had gone through this themselves and yeah. they yeah and maybe that's it every monk is just yeah yeah maybe they're, they're yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so of course now we we see. Uh, Santa is just wrecking it and, you know, actually dives his head into one of the, the sandbags to, to hit it. And they move him on to the next one. And the next chamber is whenever he starts learning about, like, actual fighting. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, we see them, like, looking through the, the manuals and doing, like, the different styles and 
well, doing and, the whole like everyone's doing the styles and then get them to freeze and correct their poses. And, well, and the monk here is yeah. Mr. Beloved Simon Yun, Yun Tian. Oh man, um, it's so nice to see him again. It's just great. Yes. Yeah, oh man, seeing you're he right. and Gordon together is like really magical. Yeah, I didn't, so, I didn't even yeah. notice. I'm, I'm watching through it now, but yeah, you're totally right. Yeah, it's when the, he's bald, and actually, I think Simon. It's weird seeing him bald and without a hat. I, <laughs> I think he was actually bald most of the time. I think he kind of kept sh- he did keep shaving his head because i believe he was bald under his like beggar so wigs usually yeah yeah um, and even when you see him in come drink with me he's bald. yeah he's bald there as well yeah. uh, oh man yeah so great to see him again and this is oh, a yeah. really cool uh scene where they are i would say they're romanticizing the, you know the training again even the music yeah. that's playing during this is very cheerful and you kind of get this like sense that you're looking into this you know beautiful lifestyle and everybody looks so focused and everybody looks like you know they're just constantly learning it's it's really cool i love it mm-hmm. yeah totally. i love the i love the like the instruction manual it's like a picture book of the positions that they need to go into for the like form and everything mm-hmm. it's right. the best yeah <laughs> and actually that interview with the Riza, he's talking about you know buying some of these manuals himself and he kind of makes <laughs> A kind of a cool statement how you know you can only learn so much from looking at these books you know you can't yeah. can't mm-hmm. learn like if you're learning from somebody else so yeah it's cool yeah. to see that reflected in the film as well which that's a that's kind of half of the plot to yeah uh, our last movie uh well that's a little bit of our last movie i was also thinking that's a big part of the plot for crashing tiger in dragon oh, right, right. is that mm. they have a manual that can teach you how to fly around and stuff but if you can't read the stuff next to the pictures then you can only do so much yeah and so this is just a big montage of presumably going through several different chambers which are you know doing hand-to-hand yeah. combat and then with the various different weapons like scimitars and and there's right. some ter- and, uh, terrific stats. choreography during yes. the, oh, yeah. the you know the boxing chamber and again it's like Gordon's just great at everything. Um, yeah, and yeah. I love how shiny Shaw Brothers weapons are. Yeah, yeah, they definitely. So it's like unrealistically shiny. <laughs> I also really like in the leg chamber. They do just like a little short sequence of the leg chamber, but the monk there rings. in the dub he takes time. He says like Santa. You're not bad. But to me, he sounded like <laughs> Snagglepuss. <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> he totally did. The kid has class, taste, finesse, recognizes talent. <laughs> <laughs> it's really good. But yeah, um, good. yeah, we get to see some more uh, familiar faces in here. So there's after the swords, they show like staff training. And um, yeah, I think the staff training is like the most hardcore stuff to me. Like there's yeah. this really cool mm-hmm. training sequence where they're kind of pushing these like concrete blocks through like a little water channel and they're using like the force of their strikes to kind of push it forward. There's also a little bit of a thing where it's like a control exercise where they have to spin these kind of saw blades between like a narrow channel and if they way like if they move away from it they'll get poked on the top or bottom by some spikes but yeah the so the the guy that i was talking about in the staff uh chamber it's the um the evil priest from encounters of the spooky kind he's the (laughs) um he's the guy training all of them in this sequence very cool yeah so yeah man so many people in here his name's peter chan and uh Mm -hmm. yeah it's just really cool 
all yeah, those there's one elder... shot of oh, like a, a dude that's trying to spin the gears and it's really convincing but it's like his forearm goes into the that little tooth blade yeah some brutal brutal training here i love mm-hmm. it i love that like high stakes training and and um just if you mess up the the physical like injuries that you get and yeah all of those elder monks were probably grandfathered in because none of them have horrible, horrible scars. <laughs> oh, yeah, good point. <laughs> well, maybe one of the chambers is a makeup chamber and they can cover them all. <laughs> yeah, that could be. Yeah. The other thing I like about this sequence is the, uh, the monk from Spooky Encounters, he has like a normal sort of like wood-colored staff and all the trainees have these red staff. So when he's yeah. like kind of you know one on four or whatever uh it just it reads really it reads really well in the camera Mm -hmm. it looks really cool and i love when uh gordon finally goes through all the like pizza cutter blade things with his staff like one at a time and again it's like uh you can't really i don't know you can't really fake a lot of this i mean hopefully those jagged teeth were you know like i'm sure they're duller than they were but but still he's i don't know still hurt Mm -hmm. yeah so Sante is able to, I guess, uh, conquer. I'm not sure what the right word is. All of the all of the chambers and the head abbot says that he's going to let him run a chamber of his own. But the Li Hui Song character, uh, kind of, he's kind of been opposed to Sante getting training from the very beginning. Yeah. So he says, if he can beat me with any weapon of his choice, then. I'll let him do this. Yeah. So and Santa and tried is... to, like tries to sort of decline, but he's kind of forced into it. He's Dean Bitterman from the episode or the from the movie Homer watches and um Homer goes to college. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Bitterman. Bitterman. <laughs> yes, take that, Bitterman. And uh Sante first tries just using a staff while Lee Hoisong uses this the like the two the dual blades. And he then he beats him, and it's it's really cool seeing after seeing all of this incredible training that there really are still people out there that that can defeat him, and and mm-hmm. uh, and that's kind of the next bit is him training with different weapons, and I love how whenever he's training with the weapons, he it'll like flash in his mind of like him imagining yeah. him using the yeah, weapons to really. Yeah. Brilliant sequence. To, to defeat the other guy. Well, and I love how it's not, it, there's something almost abstract to it. It's not clear whether um, he's reflecting on that first fight or it's also communicating some kind of like jump in time. Like he's actually been fighting him multiple yeah. times and always goes back to the forest. This is, this this might be my favorite, like my favorite kind of area of the, of the movie, this whole Com- like combat yeah you you really feel his like struggle against like kind of that brick wall of his trainer and yeah. um it's really yeah, his, his it's like, really cool dedication and his devotion to to mastering this thing that drives him through it's not like you know like right. it doesn't skip that and again this shows off the incredible cinematography throughout mm-hmm. the direction yeah. of this movie mm-hmm. Because a lot of the problem that a lot of the older Shaw Brothers movies have is that they feel very set y. Yeah. Like they, yeah. they very much feel that they're on a soundstage in Hong Kong. Mm-hmm. 
But even though a lot of this definitely was shot on uh, on a sound stage, just the way that it's that it's filmed and and you know how close the camera angles get, mm-hmm. it really feels a lot more dynamic, a lot more kind of real. And yeah, and and yeah, some great use of like some kind of lower light situations, which actually maybe some of my favorite favorite looking scenes in the movie. Mm-hmm. I was gonna say that um, while like while that's while this scene is like on a set. Um, the earlier scene where he's being chased in, through like the river and everything is all shot on mm-hmm. like these absolutely gorgeous yeah. locations, and yeah. Oh, yeah. it serves the movie so well. Like oh, enough, yeah. Yeah, there's some great sure. uh, location shots too. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, and you don't you don't feel cheated when it goes to his sound stage though for like this sequence. Right, uh-huh. right. Like it still all feels consistent. It still kind of reflects the the isolation that he feels at the temple itself. Um, so there, that kind of like um, yeah. uh, artificialness actually, I think, works really well for it. Dude, yeah. So, yeah. So true. You can't see me, but I've been nodding the whole time. We should come really, up with yeah, a sound like, effect for like a podcast nod or like <laughs> we have like a I guess that's kind of what hun, yeah, is. <laughs> mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. And then a uh, <laughs> mm-hmm. 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 I there's I love little the little laughs in these dubs. Oh, where so good. you know the person just smiling. There's, eh, heh, hmm. heh, you know, he really heh, might be <laughs> yeah, a. Heh, a of, <laughs> <laughs> well, and I'm sure all this stuff is like one take, maybe maybe only a second take if like there's a problem with the mic or something. <laughs> yeah, because um, like oh, Shab, Run Run Shaw sent us 50 more movies to dub this week, guys. Right. You gotta run through them. They just did well, it. Well, so interesting. They did yeah, it I don't know how one. it worked because these these guys did all the <laughs> movies, like Shaw Brothers, Independent, Golden Harvest. Like, yeah, I don't know. Beasts. <laughs> they did it in yeah. one take live, with yeah. they, with two people <laughs> live and um, and a series of of Foley sound effects. Right. Yes. So the final bit in like the 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 garden at night, we see Sente break this bamboo stick. And then he breaks it in a, a second spot, and I guess that's how he invents the three section staff. I love that. Well, it's because... it's really cool because he he's like attacking the bamboo shoots, and what he realizes is, you know, when he's stabbing with the Shaolin spade, mm-hmm. there's a whole extra limb of the bamboo that comes down at him. So he kind yeah. of has this epiphany where it's like, hey, like okay, like maybe like a two section thing is one thing, but if there's a third limb to my weapon my opponent won't be expecting, uh, you know, that extra limb to come into play. So it becomes this really uh, strong offensive tool for him. So it's, yeah, it's it's really cool. Like, yeah, the Shaolin Spade's like a thing that you see in a lot of films. And and it's cool seeing that encounter before with him. But like, yeah, using it to kind of create and invent a new tool is really something in this film. Very cool. They do a yeah, great you know, job these, with like, the Eureka uh, moment that they had. That yeah, has when it yeah, starts like totally. falling on top of it. Yeah, you know, and and that's almost a staple of kung fu cinema, like those combat kind of epiphanies. But I don't know if anyone handles them quite as well as as Lao Garlong. Um, mm-hmm. You just you do have a sense that you're in the hands of someone that kind of deeply understands mm-hmm. martial arts and mm-hmm. kung fu and also has is has a great ability to kind of communicate that to like a lay audience yes yeah yeah, yeah. like you know this is the 36th chamber of shaolin but he's actually doing his own 36th chamber 
with you as the viewer, like teaching <laughs> you the Kung Fu. That. Totally. You know? yeah. It's it's awesome. <laughs> mm-hmm. And yeah, Logar Lung is such a master at that. It's you're so invested in Sanda's training and you know, you're almost thinking what he's thinking as this is happening. It's right. very rewarding as a viewer. And we get to see the next day he's I guess or, okay, the next scene it might be a few days, I guess, cuz he has to make it. But he has this this three section staff that he created, and I guess one of the chambers must be blacksmithy because yeah, like, he yeah. has metal stuff. To they don't even with. bother to explain uh, that how he was able yeah. to forge a metal chain on his own. Yeah. Right. And also, I love that the Lehigh Song character doesn't even say like what is that thing? Like, that's not part of the deal or whatever. Mm. It's just him fighting. And then one of the other monks is like, well, what's, what's that? What's going on there? If it was an American film, they'd have like a scene at the beginning where like his dad's actually a blacksmith and he's yeah, actually right, like, right. And he makes nunchucks for a living. And then, but later <laughs> yeah. on, like he's in the forest. Oh, and he's perfect. like, I can make a three stick nunchuck. <laughs> Dude, oh, what dude. if there's a four stick nunchuck out there somewhere? No, that was... would be for the sequel. Also, if it was like a Hollywood <laughs> movie, this would be this would be like a product <laughs> placement along the lines of like the Talk Boy in Home Alone. Two. <laughs> <laughs> would be like they'd have it at Toys R Us or something. Like a, like a plastic version. I mean, like you know, Michelangelo like filled every toy store with nunchucks. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. I could totally see this happening in China. If you like Michelangelo <laughs> the Ninja Turtle, you'll love Gordon Liu in the Thirty Six Chamber of Shaolin, kids. <laughs> yeah, yeah, really good. <laughs> Buy our candy bar. I also, I feel like Lee Hoi San's role in this, although he's kind of an antagonist, he's never malicious towards. Uh, Sanda, you know, and yeah, yeah. When he, actually, he's able... he actually pushes Sanda to be like his best. Yeah, and mm-hmm. if you look at him, most of the time he's smiling. It's really cool. Like, and they really portray that kind of fellowship between the monks really well in the movie. Where yeah. you know he issued a challenge to him, but it wasn't like he didn't think he would do it. He wants him to accomplish this challenge. It's just proof to everyone that he's ready. It's really cool. Yeah, it's a tough love. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so he's able to finally beat him. And uh, he asks for a little bit of time to decide what chamber he's going to, to take over. Pick the headbutt bag but, one, bro. That's too yeah. common. Yeah, he kind of he kind of made a bad call. Like, the movie would have been a lot better if he just, like, uh, headbutt one. The end. <laughs> freeze frame. Permanent brain damage. No, he, he's, he goes and says, uh, which I love that he, he doesn't lead it with, I want to make a new one. He says, I want to lead the 36 chamber. Yeah. There isn't a 36 chamber. <laughs> y- yeah, I want to make a 36 chamber. I thought he was going to uh, say, like, I want to teach him about this weapon I just invented. Because, you know, that'd be another yeah, like, want... stage you could, right. like, learn. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He'd be like, oh, three section staff. Done. <laughs> Movie or over. The 36 chamber could be like a hiding thing. Hiding things in things <laughs> oh yeah it's espionage the smuggling chamber yeah chamber. That'd be, that'd be cool. <laughs> you know he's an innovator he's like he's like the elon musk of his <laughs> oh jeez, mm. lord don't get don't get alex on elon musk <laughs> oh, my, oh right. sorry is that a hot take <laughs> no no you're um i believe he said to me elon musk is a fascist <laughs> so let's let's not let's not get into that right now this is a fun podcast <laughs> <laughs> um, 
So I just want to clarify. I don't think that Gordon Liu or Santa Claus are fascists. So. <laughs> <laughs> any, uh, any comparison, however unintentional, was. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Although you um, can make a, an argument that the strict, rigid um, traditions that the monks have when he proposes a change to their system is kind of fascist in its true. overtones and its oh, authoritarianism, right, yeah. and one man wields all this power. Yeah, sure. But Gordon Liu isn't, though, because he wants to go. No, no, that, not so. at all. Yeah. <laughs> the other thing is. It's funny to me, you know, he proposes this 36 chamber and they reprimand him. But yeah, they basically reward him with what he wanted. He wanted to leave. <laughs> yeah. You know, and it's it's almost like when you look at that scene, you could almost see their half knowingly doing this, you know, because the, the, the top monk kind of addresses Lee Hoi San and he kind of gives it to him. So he kind of passes the buck like, hey, I can't do this but maybe you can do it. And Li Hoi San, you know, maybe knowing that this is what he really wants, gives mm. him a punishment, but it's the punishment that he wants. Yeah, I didn't read it like and that. And I remember after I, after I first watched the movie and I, like, I saw him leave and then I was reading up on it later and it says that they're punishing him by making him go. And I was kind of thinking, were they punishing him? Yeah. Because mm-hmm. like, I guess they are, but he like, that is kind of what he wanted to do was go back into the world and know well, that. And yeah, and also he's such like an upright, like Buddhist at this point, he he's basically like thanking them for the punishment. Um, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So we see him kind of return home or what's left of home because it's completely trashed. And he there, there's like a man nearby that tells him where his uh, where his family is is buried, so he can go and go and pay his respects. Yeah, this man's also graveyard. Familiar. Yeah, he he's played by Fung Ging Man, who we've seen in a ton of. Uh, our movie. I believe he's even in Snake in the Eagle's Shadow. Yeah, yeah, he is. He's like a runs a school that's kind of like full of charlatans and stuff. Yeah, yeah. So we've seen him a ton of times. But yeah, mm. on onto the cemetery now. So we get to yeah, see this, this is uh, such a great fight. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. If if not for Lee Hoi San and Gordon Liu's performance with each other, uh, I I don't know. I actually, depending on the day of the week, I would say that this <laughs> fight sequence yeah, actually, is the best in the I film. Think I think this is, yeah, this is probably, at least for me, yeah, this is the best fight. Yeah. So what happens here is that we've got some men that are burying, you know, their colleagues. And what you find out is one of the men here is Hong Shi Kwan. So um, this is the man. Connection to the the last movie. Right. That we've seen in Executioners from Shaolin. So um, they're they're rebels. And uh, Lord Tang shows up. And so now he's going to fight. And he's fighting Hong Shi Kwan. And they're kind of struggling in this fight. And then uh, Sanda shows up. So um, now we get an amazing fight sequence. Like lit- this, this sequence is like the best reward for a training montage I have ever seen. <laughs> oh, yeah. It is. Yeah, because yeah. In, in Sante's fighting, we can see him doing almost everything that we just saw him learning to mm-hmm. do. It's beautiful. It's art, man. Like, it's it, so it is art. It, it is, it is it's poetry. Also great cause, like, yeah. Because Sante's character, he didn't ask uh, to be in this fight. He kind of just comes upon it. So there's, I don't know, there's something kind of beautiful and like organic about how he's just employing all of his training here yeah yeah and he recognizes tang right away and he says you know seven years ago you killed my father and you know now you know blah 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 this and that but tang also recognizes him as liu yude he's like you're the rebel so this is what uh you know yeah. really starts them fighting yeah. yeah but him 
him like being stuck in in one pose while the people are throwing darts at him and we see his eyes like darting back and forth like in the other training we even see the same like flare on his eyes it's that we saw in that previous scene Mm -hmm. and there's a a camera shot that i love so much it's like from overhead looking down and it's kind of like like the trees panning to the side while um sunda and tang are fighting it's so cool i love it it gets uh definitely gifable moment. yeah gifable moment yeah. for sure uh like he gets at one point he gets a spear and does like the the chamber with the um with the bell yeah. where like he's smacking the guy and and, and moving man it's yeah. such a good scene well and i also love how they pay off the uh i mean earlier you were talking about the shot brothers weapons being shiny mm-hmm. but uh i don't know Laogar Lung, I think here is like really subtle but perfectly effective at calling back all of the techniques. There's no kind of like I don't know freeze frame or mm-hmm. voiceover or something. Mm-hmm. And in the no, case of yeah, no yeah, yeah. red filter yeah, flashback exactly. to it or anything. And in case of like the eye technique, like all you need to do are see some of these you know flares and glints and stuff. And mm-hmm. I yeah. don't know. There was no really Hollywood executive sequence. being like they're not gonna remember the yeah they're not <laughs> getting it. <laughs> the training from earlier that we spent a half hour on. Make sure to remind them again before it happens. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so Sanda ends up getting the upper hand against Tang, and he has him pinned down. But uh, Tang kind of questions him. He's like, you're a monk. You, you can't kill. And Sanda responds like, even Buddha punished evil. But um, he's not willing to kill him. But uh, Hong Shi Quan is more than willing. And yeah. he's like, you bastard. You killed all of my guys. I'll stab you a thousand times and he yeah almost does he like totally destroys thing the, there is like a hmm. weird horror thing going on in that sequence of yeah he's kind of like overcome by this madness where like he's he's dead he's dead but he keeps going mm-hmm. and um that it all kind of takes place in a graveyard there's something really like kind of universal horror about it yeah it's yeah, very cool yeah. and hong shi kwan actually says you know I'm so happy that my fallen comrades can see you here, you know, dead, <laughs> like after I've killed you. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it's great. Mm-hmm. Yep. And if, uh, then Hung Shi Kwan then basically says, like, I, like take me as, as, a, as a student. And then mentions uh, another guy that, uh, another guy that they should go meet who's like this blacksmith. And it's cool, you have, uh, I didn't know this, that uh, his name is... Uh, Tang Quan Jin, yeah, Jin, which is the character that Goren Liu played in Executors from Shaolin. Whoa. Oh wow! Which is just that's a really cool little connection there. Wow, it's like this Mobius strip that goes on and on. Yeah, yeah it's yeah. really cool. <laughs> There's definitely a different kind of interpretation of that character because he's like this blacksmith that's really like beefy and he fights with this big hammer and and everything. Yes, and so- I love he he's fighting off all these these Manchu guys. And and whenever Sante comes up, he says like, "Hey, you're you know you're holding the hammer too far down. Like, hold it up a little mm-hmm. further." And and then he starts fighting them and, and beating them away with it. Yeah, this I is another that. sequence where yeah, I love the sound effects for all of the staff hits too. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and whenever he gets the one Manchu guy and holds him over the fire and he keeps like pumping the fire so it gets hotter <laughs> while he's yeah. holding his face yeah, up. Yeah, I to thought it. that was gonna get oh, like man. Toxic Avenger or something for a second. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. 
<laughs> no, not not quite that much. No, this isn't the Street Fighter. Uh, he runs. Well, yeah, so he then, walks away through the crowd. Yeah, he, walk, and then he, he walks away, but the, then he's like yeah, that I'm dude. He keeps egging him on. The bamboo dude. Yeah, yeah. And he sees a yeah. and he sees a gap with sticks covering it, and the audience is like. I know what's gonna happen here. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Jokes on this guy yeah. who thought he was going to fool him with this gap with sticks over it, because he's already trained <laughs> for this. And yeah. this character is really kind of like a—he's uh, kind of making the most of his scene. Mm-hmm. Like some mm-hmm. great kind of antagonistic mm-hmm. Hong Kong comedy. Or I mean, it's not—I don't think it quite reaches like full-on comedy, but it's at least like. It's a bit silly. It's a bit silly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Whimsical is a good word mm-hmm. for it. Yeah, he um, he runs over like this this bundle of bamboo sticks, and uh, then Sante goes to go across the bamboo sticks as well, and he he like cuts the bundle off. But of course, he literally trained for this, so right. he like keeps his balance on the sticks and and brings it back together. And then he tries to throw more bamboo sticks at him and, and he headbutts it and, and breaks the bundle apart. And it's just it, it's funny, like every every single chamber gets uh gets kind of uh paid off in this movie. Even yeah. even the even the silly sandbag headbutting one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that almost gets the biggest payoff at the end. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so now we actually see uh Lolier again. And, you know, he's getting news of Tang being murdered. So now he's on high alert. So Santa has kind of, he has this kind of ragtag group. And they're kind of deviating a plan to uh, attack uh, Tianta. So what they say is that there's a, a, a house that's near the, like, the general's, like, palace or whatever you would say is his base of operations. And um, uh, they're interested in this place. And when he arrives, he sees that there's a young man there that um, we find out doesn't have a name. He just goes by, like, the rice miller. He's like, uh, yeah. I don't know my father, so I never had a name, but I'm a rice miller, and that's what people know me by. So um, right here, we get to see another familiar yeah, face. Yeah, Wang Yu. Back yeah. Back in so, action. Yeah, our friend from Executioners from Shaolin. And, yeah, it's so far into the movie, but, you know, we're still seeing these star so like man this movie is packed it's so good <laughs> and i i think he might have even been on the poster or kind of like in advertisements for this um but yeah i mean it's yeah quite a late uh late payoff for for him but yeah he really uh he really i think makes a good impression even in, even though i think it's probably just the last 15 minutes of the movie or so yeah yeah this is the very end and he he kind of sneaks into this uh to this temple thing and Manchus bring in a bunch of other students that they're going to to execute just like from the beginning of the movie and that's whenever Santa comes in and, and kind of interrupts it there's this amazing shot definitely a gif moment where they like the camera swings over to Santa and they all hold up these these lanterns up to his face yeah, and he gets lit great. up by them. And then the way oh, he man, just like beautiful. like swiftly like runs forward and kind of like envelops all the lanterns. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, the way he kind of like grabs them all. Okay, so I think this is actually my favorite fight is the like group showdown. I think like the oh, camera work true. in it is just beautiful. It's got this really great like handheld vibe as yeah. he's like like pushing through the crowd and the camera's like moving along with him. 
there's some like really yeah. great like uh depth wide angle kind of photography going on Man. And I think it's some of the most fast-paced action you see in the yeah, film. Like yeah, 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 the yeah. the choreography in this sequence is super fast, mm-hmm. and um, that combined with uh, Laugar Lung's camera work, you know, there's this crazy energy to this whole fight. And all of these soldiers are stabbing at uh, Sanda with their staffs, and then you've got the general dude that's kind of striking in between that. So there's like this whole back and forth between. Sanda fighting him, but also uh, dodging all of the stab, mm-hmm. and that ultimately becomes what kills um, this general here because um, he's avoiding the stabs, and they all stab right into him, and he gets right. a pretty oh, yeah. uh, bloody that's, death. That's pretty rough. It is just a yeah, yeah. but I, it's oh, it's so cool the energy behind all of this. Totally, and yeah, last time we talked about uh, how Logger Lung is able to kind of bring the camera in closer than you know most other kung fu directors and we i mean there have been a lot of imitators to this close camera style but no one has quite had the command over it uh like logger lung and his crew and yeah i mean big props to whoever is working the camera here because they definitely were part of the choreography mm-hmm. um mm, and the yeah. way that they're all moving in tandem yeah it is, it is a just a like this whole sequence is a master stroke of action filmmaking. Like there's no, no question about it. After that, we see the little ragtag group with Santa trying to figure out how they're going to, how they're going to take down uh, Lolier's character. And they, (laughs) and they figure out that they're going to use flour, which whenever I first saw, I was like, what, what are they going to do? It is kind of weird. uh, But then we see the way that they do it is that they like, uh, let a bunch of flour go from like a little archway over all the horses that are with Lolier and they all get like blinded. They all just keep going. um, None of them like figure out to stop. Yeah. (laughs) Like it's like, it's unreasonable at this point and they just keep going after him. Yeah. And I love, they have like a second row of flour because they knew they were going to just keep running after him, I guess. Right. It's good bang uh, for the buck though. It's like it's like okay, some high speed slow motion and flower yeah, mm-hmm. and like it ha- like it's pretty cinematic. I also like there's maybe like a non-violent component to it. Yeah, too. yeah, yeah. Um you know, it's not like an explosive or something. Mm-hmm. Um yeah. so it feels like that's maybe in line with Santa's, you know, kind of like ethical position. So this leads to the the final showdown. Yes, uh, where it starts on horseback, which is like it amazing. does. Yeah, Gordon Liu gets on a horse and and runs out of town. Lolier follows him. Oh, man, and they have a great like little back back and forth about you know definitely kung fu bravado kind of here. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Well, now a monk, and with the rebels, we must put down evil. And you're evil. You've killed too many men. I, I killed a lot of men, but never a monk, not yet. And it's, it's, I love these fights where you can, you can kind of tell that they're shot over a couple days. You know, you're almost like worried initially because it's like pretty overcast in the first couple of shots, but then uh, day two is, yeah, sunny and beautiful. (laughs) Um, yeah, great location for this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's really it's... cool how this fight starts too, because Lolier Tianta's care, you know, he's fighting with the double swords that he used earlier in the film, and um, Santa is kind of 
holding his three section staff, but it's still in its case. Mm-hmm. And then he like basically reveals it, you know, uh, while he's defending himself. And you see Lolier's reaction to that. It's really cool. Yeah. And this is also a fight sequence where it's like really high paced, um, you know, really tight choreography too. Like, uh, I mean, yeah. So it's like 1978, right? So we're, we, I was thinking about that before. Like, so many amazing <laughs> kung fu films from this year. Like, we're, mm-hmm. you know, treated with this and Snake in the Eagle's Shadow. All this stuff like this is like, man, to be alive <laughs> that year and watch all these <laughs> right. films, like, yeah. would have well, been, it's super, like... It's super exciting because it's, like, if you think of uh, arguably, like, the three kind of top choreographers of, like, this period, Lao Garlong, Yun Wuping, Sammo Hung, it's, like, they're... Yeah, they're... I don't know. It's If they're kind of each pushing pushing each other and there's some kind of like kind of competitive spirit yeah. but just in yeah incredible work and yeah it's like the the bar just between say 1976 and 1978 like the bar for yeah screen choreography just was raised mm-hmm. so yeah so much higher and oh and like you're saying the speed also mm-hmm. um, and yeah it's so fast yeah, yeah, yeah. E- even within the film you know at the beginning of the movie right, right. you get some fights but like by the end of this film like it, it's like they increased so many levels like while they were filming this it's so cool there's yeah. also like yeah this moment like where um Sanda's just like doing this kind of showcase of his use of the three section staff it's like mm-hmm. maybe like two second like if it's like perfect <laughs> yeah it yeah. looks so cool <laughs> yeah now this this fight really is incredible mm-hmm. and i had it, like i had forgotten just how fast this fight was until i'm scrubbing through it now and it's just it's relentless and it's and it's all like real in camera like i feel like some other films would do some like under cranking mm-hmm. yeah is, i think there's a little bit just, of under cranking but it's pretty yeah there's a few shots that are but it's uh but yeah, it's, it's and, still and also it's like impressive. you get the sense that uh, Gordon is uh, kind of getting the most out of Lolia because uh, you know Lolia really bookends the film like he has the opening fight and he's in the the closing fight mm-hmm. and he's a really commanding presence in both sequences. But right. and uh, you gotta you gotta think about like a different man. Yeah, so it's like Gordon Liu at the beginning of his career where Lolia is like the superstar within Shaw right, Brothers. Right. It's like. This is like one of his first big movies and he's fighting like a legend. So you can imagine right. <laughs> how much pressure he felt like having to perform in this scene. It, it and really if Lolia felt pressure of like, oh, well, I can't let this new guy, you know, just kind of come in here uncontested. Yeah, it's like pro wrestling. But it, I think that we were rewarded for that because Absolutely. it's an amazing fight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I also like kind of... Uh, I almost calling back to the very beginning, very first fight again, where Gordon Liu disarms Lolier's guy and then he puts his staff away so they can fight hand to hand, just like in that first fight. Yeah, cool. And the way that he beats him is, it's probably one of my favorite uh, final blows that we've watched so far, (laughs) where, and this is super gif moment, where he he headbutts him and then like flings him behind his back while headbutting him. Right. Yeah, man. Oh, it's nuts. It's super good. Mm-hmm. This is like when I'm playing against Alex in Super Turbo. He's using <laughs> E-Honda and I'm using Fei Long and he's just headbutting yeah. me. Mm-hmm. He can't win. <laughs> he can't beat me in Super Turbo. It kills him inside. It's 
It's bad. It's really and, bad. And, and he never will win. And I'll, I'll give him every opportunity <laughs> to do it. And he'll never win. You you heard it here, folks. <laughs> it's okay. It's okay. It's this. It's been this way for like three years now. I don't know what oh, it is, man. man. That's a hard matchup. Come on, man. That matchup sucks. I didn't know that when I picked E Honda. <laughs> In our circles, this is like, uh, like McGregor Mayweather. This is amazing. But I, I love the, the, um, the, I mean, the movie does end on a freeze frame, but it's not the freeze frame that you might expect. Yeah. You yeah. get a great little epilogue here. It feels like it could have. Yeah, we get a little bit. It feels like maybe originally it did, and then someone went, no, no, film another scene. Go back and fix <laughs> yeah. this. Also, yeah. like, yeah. Wong Yu is in so little of the movie, uh, it gives him at least one other little. One more little, yeah, fun little yeah. scene. Yeah. But I also, I like how it's, you know, okay, the aggressors and the invaders were important, but really the most important thing from the film is the 36th chamber and yeah, you yeah. know the Sharing spreading of Shaolin yeah. and like yeah this growth that he experienced throughout the film and now he actually gets to accomplish this goal where he gets to teach yeah. the Shaolin art to the you know normal man it's very cool yeah he steals yeah. the yeah, information the very... from the privileged and redistributes it to the people <laughs> yeah this is really a communist yeah. uh, communist film so <laughs> It's a universal message. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So just to just to recap, we're basically saying Santa is Jesus and fascist <laughs> and communist. But this the last scene is is him is them saying like, hey, he made the thirty six chamber. This is yeah. him training a bunch of people, and we get that one last s- silly bit where like all the people freeze their their pose, and then it zooms in on the 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 rice miller just kind of sitting there with his hands on his knees. <laughs> yeah, and. Well, this feels kind of more like a scene from some of the kung fu comedies that we've seen from like the, um, I guess around this time and a little little later with like the just the silly zoom in and his face and yeah, everything. Yeah, totally. But then it, it then it ends with them like doing the poses and doing like one final pose with the 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 end on the screen. Yeah, that great Shaw logo, that Shaw scope. Logo. Mm-hmm. I love that. And that's the and that's the thirty six chamber. It ruled. Yeah. This Oof. movie's amazing. It is. Yeah, this movie's so good. Beautiful. God. Yeah, I'm, I was definitely happy to to watch it again, and definitely with more of the context from this uh, little project of ours, to know who the people are and, and kind of why it matters. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much uh, for letting me, for making this be the one that I guessed on. Oh, of course. Of <laughs> course. Oh, this is so great, Alex. And yeah, I, I mean, it. you yeah lifted our show up today. Yeah, <laughs> dude, it was great to have you. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, thank you so much for the opportunity. Um, I, had a, I had a blast doing this. Well, if you like the show, then please leave a review on your podcatcher of choice. So iTunes, Stitcher, Podcast Addict, whatever. Um, check us out on Facebook at Heroes 3 Podcast. Follow us on Twitter at Heroes, the number three podcast. Uh, thank you so much to the Kung Fu Cinema subreddit, if that's where you discovered us from. And Marty, what is our training for next week? So we're sticking with Mr. Lau Garlong. Uh, the film for next week is another Kung Fu classic, Marshall Club. A little bit uh, more forward in time. This is from 1981. Marshall Club. Sounds good. I've, I've never heard of it, so I'm looking forward to it. <laughs> yeah, um, I think you guys are going to like it. Well, until next week, where we're taking a look at Marshall Club. 
I'm Matthew. I'm Marty. I'm Carlos. I'm Alex. And we are the Heroes 3 Plus Alex. Remember your training. Heroes 3 is part of the Mercado Brothers Podcast Network.